0: Welcome to the Dharma Spring. So
1: one last go with Nanjuan. And I had, um, up to this point, I hadn't given any background information on Nanjuan. I realized I didn't do it the first time, jumped right into that koan. I thought I might do it the second time, but I didn't. So we roll on to the final time, and I'll give you a little background on him. We don't have a lot, but it turns out to actually work out well with the koan territory, the things that have come up for me. So it's just right that I forgot (laughs) or neglected to, not on purpose, but hey, works out well. Um, Then we'll dive into the koan as it, well, you'll see the connections. I'll try to make the connections. Um, so with nandron when he was nine years old he went and had his head shaved at the local temple um, so that might be kind of like a christening a baptism something like that entering into the practice um, as a novice doesn't really say much about what his life was if he lived at the temple all that time or went in and out as he grew up. All we know is that it wasn't until he was 30 years old that he took up the vows and committed his way and actually became thoroughly a monk, (laughs) Uh, a wayfarer. So for a couple of decades growing up, he was connected to Buddhist teachings. It doesn't say which kind of Buddhism was there that when he, you know, shaved his head in, in that place, so immersed in it to some degree for a couple of decades, but then took a more direct. Okay, I'm taking this up more um, intently, moving deeper into the territory, and then, as we've discovered and will continue to discover, with ancestors of ours, particularly from this era. He didn't come to zen first he practiced other buddhisms the first in the list being um the vinaya school or the precepts ethical guidelines he studied that for a while and then he took up uh, another teaching with different community and teachers with where they studied the lankavatara sutra which is like considered a, a core zen text these days back then not sure where its prominence stood, where it rooted itself. Because he also took up the, uh, another school and teaching of the Avantam Saka or the Flower Garland Sutra. That was their main teaching. And then at some point he moved on to the Sanlun school which based their teachings on Nagarjuna's teachings, the Madhyamaka or the mind only school. So he had a variety of other forms of Buddhism and practices under his belt in his life that had enriched him before he knocked on the door of great ancestor Ma and started practicing Chan, Zen. Um, And one of the anecdotes says that he forgot everything else he had previously learned. Um, it made it sound like right when he arrived, he forgot it. But I'm thinking it's similar to uh, Daishan, who was a master of the Diamond Sutra, but had an encounter. uh, You know, he relied upon all that knowledge of the Diamond Sutra, but had an encounter with Lung Tan and kind of was in a way freed from all the knowledge to be more directly in contact with what's here, what's alive, yeah. So who knows when he forgot When Nanjuan forgot everything he had learned previously, Uh, might just be a fancy way of saying he had an awakening experience and was able to let that stuff work its way into the soil beneath him so he could grow freshly as who he was rather than having that stuff prop him up and be the, you know, all the teachings that uh, he worked through. And they, yeah, went down to the soil, nourished him, and boom. Alive, yeah. In that Zen way, so he's with Master Ma, right? Mazu, um, Mazu and Shito being the two people we look at who birthed the koan tradition just by their way of being, and not on purpose, just the way that they were. So you have Nanjuan there in that time, as a lot of people uh, at that time we have the stories of they they're at the birth of the koan way of the koan tradition so non right there in that in that territory um so i'm not sure exactly what how old he was or when he came to master ma but it says when he was 47 he had received permission to go to receive he received transmission and could go out and teach And go out into the world, going on a pilgrimage is usually what happened before somebody settled down to teach. What Nanjuan did was he, he ascended Mount Nanjuan, and that's why he's called Nanjuan, and he built a little hut with his own hands, and he lived there for 30 years. So he didn't go and establish a temple and start teaching. He just went up and decided, I'm going to live in a hut up here in the mountains. Who knew that it would be 30 years, but around 30 years, he stayed there in his hut. But he wasn't in isolation. People came, they'd heard of Nanjuan and went looking for him. And so we have you know, stories of encounters with Nanjuan in his hermitage, in his hermit period. So he wasn't in isolation. He just wasn't formally established as a temple holding teacher. One of my favorite stories from that period, we took it up a, a while, of, several years ago down in Pueblo, but um, often when people would encounter Nanjuan, he was working in the fields or, you know, tending to his hut, taking care of business there, living that life. So one day he's out working in the fields. And somebody who journeyed and heard about Nanjuan had come up the road, come up the path and encountered him and said, what, what is the way to Nanjuan? And he held up the sickle and he says, I bought this for 30 cents. And the person said, I'm not asking about the sickle. What is the way to Nanjuan? Nanjuan said, it feels good when I use it. So sharp. (laughs) And that's the koan. That's the story we have. There's Nanjuan just showing up, being who he is. We have some other stories during that period uh, as well. But that wasn't the end of things. Uh, One of the people who came to see him was an official from a nearby village who, after those 30 years, persuaded him to come down and build a temple for him. Or I'm not sure if he built a form or they already had one, but had him take up residence in a temple as a teacher. And then a lot of people came to see him. A community formed, and you know, more of a formal practice community was uh, gathering around Nanjuan including, you know, probably his most famous successor, uh, Zhao Zhou, whom we met in the very first time we took up a koan with Nanjuan. So yeah, taught there, had a, you know, Zhao Zhou and a couple of others that carried on the tradition until he eventually died things go on, right? So there's a little thumbnail sketch of Nanjuan where he's situated in our history, in our ancestral history. So now, this current koan and how it's interesting to consider that history, which I'll highlight here in a moment, but let me just get to the koan. A student asked Nanjuan, is there a teaching that the wise throughout the ages haven't conveyed? Nanjuan said, there is. The student asks, how would you express it? Nanjuan said, it is not mind. It is not Buddha. It is not things. (laughs) So another one of these instances of how would you do it? What would you say? And there's this negation. I'm not saying mind, I'm not saying Buddha. I'm not saying things, you know, taking it away. So the interesting thing to consider, the thing that arose for me is the connection this has <clears throat> to other koans other conversations other questions not that's well, not even of one of non-drawn maybe these perennial questions we ask and we see people asking you know in the koans I mean, a major one being what is buddha right and then there's well what happens with the responses that come from those questions but what comes to mind initially is we have master ma somebody came and asked master ma maybe before Nanjuan was even around uh, in you know or maybe after he left <laughs> right um somebody asked master ma what is buddha and master ma said this very mind is buddha So you can see the contrast already, not mind, not Buddha, not things, but Master Ma, before Nanjuan or in the realm and in the territory of Nanjuan's existence says this very mind is Buddha, right? But there's more to the story than that (laughs) because later somebody else asked Nanjuan, what is Buddha? And he said, not mind, not Buddha. Right? Revised his own statement, or in that moment, that's what arose after saying, This very mind is Buddha. Next time, not mind, not Buddha. Right? And I can see, you know, after that first, this very mind is Buddha. I could see people sharing that story and it's moving around the community and maybe non drawn, noticed people. Making something of it, clinging to something, this very mind, you know, holding it up in a certain way. And so he had to sweep that away and knock it out. You know, we got to wipe that wipe that clean. So I have to say, not mind, not Buddha now, to try to free people from the things they're constructing based on what I said previously. So you could see Nandwan is further taking that conversation. (laughs) taking that conversation further, that exploration further, that response further. Not only is it not mind and not Buddha, it's not things. Yeah? This teaching that hasn't been conveyed. So maybe he noticed after Nandran said mind is Buddha, then not mind, not Buddha, and wiped things away. Maybe people were focused too much on the things and everything else, and they had effectively put down mind and Buddha, but they were still finding it and solidifying it in the things that they were encountering. So Nanjuan says, we got to sweep that away too. Not mind, not Buddha, not things. You know, that tendency of ours to try to find it, to solidify it, to get a hold of it. So that's one, one take is this response, this koan is a continuation of the responses and exploration begun by his teacher great ancestor Ma. But we also have Nanduan himself, as we met him the very first time, talking with Zhaozhou, when Zhaozhou said, what is the way, what is the Tao? Ordinary mind is the Tao, is the way. Well, people certainly heard about that conversation and perhaps made things of it in the same way they were making things of what Mazze had said. And this current koan could be connected to that thing-making that we do. But there's another one from Nanjuan that happened where somebody, well, we don't have somebody asking the question in the koan. It just says that he showed up and said, "Um, mind is not Buddha, wisdom is not the way. (laughs) So another not, not series. So... I'm seeing this as the current one being the third installment of that exploration too. First, ordinary mind is the way, this very mind of yours, that's the way. And then maybe he noticed people making something of that and ordinary mind not being as ordinary as that fresh arising just here and now ordinary because it became an idea, it became a thing. So then he says, Mind is not Buddha. Wisdom is not the way. Kind of sweeping away the thinking that we do. And then that can still be made into a thing. So we end up with this statement of it is not mind, not Buddha, not things. All in the service of clearing the field, clearing the field. Right? So that things may arise, including ourselves freshly as we are, as they are. Um, So when I have this koan coming from various directions, when I have it in this context, well, first, when I don't have it in this context, when I just meet this koan as it is, is there a teaching that hasn't been conveyed? Yes, there is. How would you express it? It is not mind, it is not Buddha, it is not things. If I don't have the context I just meet it, it can be kind of like, ugh, <laughs> you know, you're not giving me anything at all. You're sweeping it all away. And that can feel kind of like, oh, come on, <laughs> sometimes. And it can, on its own, have a kind of refreshing feeling of, ah, thanks for not giving me anything. But that comes to life more when I consider the context of, you know, it a continuation of these other koans and this exploration it doesn't really need to be that but what when i look at those other koans and you know the the revising so to say of the teachings and what people are saying about mind and buddha it just highlights for me that i do that very activity of trying to find it and if I get something clarified that takes something away, I then try to make something of that instead of staying with what was taken away. And that it takes time actually to, to sweep that field clean and to not be so um, caught up in the habit of trying to hold on to something, trying to find the recipe, right? The formula, trying to be able to say it clearly and hold on to it and know it. Um, As something I have in my pocket, yeah. That thing of if I have a if I have a bad habit, and I replace it with a good habit, that feels great. But I'm still stuck in a habit, right? Even though it's a good habit, maybe it's a beneficial thing. It's still a structure. It's still something that's um, supporting me, but also containing me, limiting me because it's a habit. So. Sweeping away the habits until the habit-making drops away, loosens up, you know, is no longer there. That feels what's being offered in this series of koans addressing this matter of mind Buddha things, yeah. Hmm. So that's when it's more refreshing of ah, thanks for not giving me anything. <laughs> and I, you know, I find that the field does feel clear from this not mind, not Buddha, not things. Um, I and mean, it can be, it's a coin that can flip either way, but on one side of the coin, the more, uh feel is no matter where you look for it, whatever I, what, no matter where I look for it, no matter what I encounter, what I experience, I will not get a hold of it. <laughs> um, and the other side of the coin is, ah. no matter what I experience, what I encounter, I can't get a hold of it. And it's refreshing because I don't have to carry that around. It's not that I won't encounter it, it's just, I won't get a hold of it. It keeps moving, it keeps going. So, to take away the idea of it being mind or Buddha or things, frees up my own hands and my own being to just encounter things unencumbered or lightly encumbered. Yeah. What's interesting is in other translations of this koan, there's a hyphen that's put in between the not and the things and the words that come after. So it's, you know, not mind, not Buddha, not things. But with that hyphen in between, it makes them a thing by, by you know, that hyphen connects them, it makes it a thing, not mind. As if not mind is a thing and not Buddha is a thing and not things is a thing. is something I can get a hold of. But what's interesting is the not of it. It's simultaneously something I can get a hold of, but it's not. <laughs> it, it It's an absence, you know. Hmm. Maybe that kind of harkens back to David Hinton and his absence and presence. It's the absence side. It's the absence mind, absence Buddha, absence things. Yeah. So it's interesting. Simultaneously gives me something and takes it away. And it's like, well, what, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> um, it reminds me of, and actually what I enjoy is, it brings me to, that, to the third space. That's what I think I call it. You know, Up until the third space comes, we have is and isn't, right? Is, is not, it's a dichotomy. And so up until this point, you've had mind is Buddha and mind is not Buddha. There's the dichotomy. And you think you have a choice between the two of those. Um, or that you have to choose between the two of those. The third space would be adding another not. (laughs) So in this case, for this koan, it would be, it is not not mind, not not Buddha, not not things, which is that space. For me, that's the hyphen. It's just doubling down on the not. It's not things, but it's also not not things. And that's where I can't figure out, are they saying it is or it isn't, you know? And that's where the habitual grabbing and trying to identify and and solidify things just kind of gladly drops away. So like, I can't, I don't know. Stop trying to figure it out. (laughs) Go into that third space, the not, not space where it both is and isn't, you know, hearkening back to our, the four propositions. It is, it isn't, it both is and isn't, and it neither is and isn't, right? Taking it away, but also giving something back more fully, more richly, more deeply, that third space, the not-not. And for this to be the teaching that has been passed down throughout the ages, or that hasn't been passed down throughout the ages, (laughs)
0: Um, how could you pass that down
1: right and that's what we get with them there's a verse here from Wu Min who speaks to that so let's see where is it it kind of speaks to this whole thing of the effort Trying to identify, trying to get a hold of it, um, wanting to know and settle it. Um, what woman says in response to this koan? Let me read the koan, then I'll read the verse. A student asked Nanjuan, "Is there a teaching that the wise throughout the ages haven't conveyed? There is. How would you express it? It is not mind. It is not Buddha. It is not things." In Wu Min's verse, trying too hard dissipates your virtue. Silence is truly effective. Even if the great ocean became dry land, it can never be communicated to you. You Should the great oceans dry up, everything turn to dry land, all the time that that would take, it can never be communicated to you.
0: Hmm. How could it, right? Can you read that again, Andrew? Yeah.
1: Trying too hard dissipates your virtue. Silence is truly effective. Even if the great ocean became dry land, it can never be communicated to you. Never be communicated to you by others or by yourself. And I think that's because it's more intimate than communication, than a back and forth. Yeah. To solidify it, to say this is what it is, kind of um, breaks up the intimacy. And so this sweeping away is kind of clearing the field to be intimate, intimate. Directly in touch with this, whatever it is. Can't be communicated to you because it's not apart from you. That might be another way of seeing that. And so in a way, also, Woman may be saying, when he says silence is truly effective. It's like, that would have been better than saying anything at all, Juan. <laughs> you know, is there a teaching that haven't, hasn't been conveyed? Yes, there is. How would you express it? that things speak for themselves in that moment. That was that pause, you know, by saying something, maybe you added a little extra. Yeah, which brings me to the next wrinkle in all of this. <laughs> um, it says here, you know, a student asked Nanjuan, But we have another account of this koan or another account of a very similar in exchange where it's a different exchange as well, where it's um, Nanjuan visited Master Nirvana of Baijong. And this is a different Baijong than the, there, there was a couple of Baijongs because they took on the name of where they were. So this one, instead of a student coming to Nanjuan, we have Nanjuan visiting Master, um, Master Nirvana of baijong who asked Nanjuan, "Is there a teaching that the wise throughout the ages haven't ever told anyone?" So there's that same question, and in this case, it's not a student. Like I said, it he this is a teacher, somebody who's um, either a fellow teacher. Maybe Nanjuan was already teacherified by this point, but it's uh, you know it's. Similar to last last week when we had Lutzu, who was a contemporary of Nanjuan. So here, maybe these are people just comparing notes. What's your understanding, that kind of stuff. So Bai Zhang, this master nirvana of Bai Zhang, maybe just saying, okay, let's see how you are doing here with uh, your understanding, Nanjuan. So he asks that question. Is there a teaching that the wise throughout the ages haven't ever told anyone? Nanjuan replied, there is. How would you express it? It is not mind, not Buddha, not things. And then this Bai Zhang says, you said it, <laughs> right? Is there something that can't be expressed? Yes, this is what it is. Oh, you said it. Then Nandran says, well, that's just what I would say. What would you say? Yeah. So Nanjuan's kind of saying, yeah, I said something, but that's just what I would say. I'm not even sure. Maybe I'm fully invested in it, but that's what arose from me. What would you say, Bajan? Master Nirvana replied, responded, I don't have any great knowledge or expertise either. How would I know whether it's been expressed or not? Yeah. (laughs) So he kind of steps even back. It's like, well, more intimate than saying what you said is I'm not even sure that it's been expressed or not. Nanjuan said, I don't understand. And Master Nirvana says, I've already said way too much for you. (laughs) Yeah. When did he say too much, you know? Was it when he said, well, I don't have this great knowledge and I don't know if it's been expressed or not. Or was it when he asked him the question, is there a teaching that hasn't been conveyed? But it's almost like he's saying, by asking you these questions, I've made you think about it and maybe even started to make things of it and try to find a way to express it. And maybe I've done too much by doing that. Maybe silence truly would have been better just to be here. And how are you today? All of that. Um, Just by introducing the idea of there not being a teaching Or of teaching not conveyed, just by introducing an idea that I don't know if it's been conveyed or not, can start the engines running, start all the looking and identifying, you know, get all that going where maybe that's too much. Maybe just being here is enough. Yeah.
0: Going back to
1: that sweeping away that the koan seems to be doing, maybe that's something that started because of that first person saying something about it. What if we come to the point where we never have to create something to be, or never, I don't know that we have to, but we don't create something that needs to be swept away, right? Be in the place of, what? The field's open, there's no obstruction,
0: right? Similar to last week when uh,
1: Luzu and Nanduan's conversation ends with Nanduan saying, Go on, you don't understand my words. And in our conversation, we said, That might be a good thing. He's swept it away. You don't have understanding. You can't get a hold of something. So now go on, go on. Ah, good. There's no understanding here. Yeah. Similar place here, Nanjuan, I don't understand. I've already said too much, so shh, go on, go on from here. And then just like this, Koan has, we see the conversation, the thread between Matza and Nanjuan. And the question of, is there a teaching that the wise throughout the ages haven't conveyed? It was relevant in Nanjuan's time, back in the Tang Dynasty. And it's just as relevant here and now in the centuries that have happened since then in all the teachings that have been conveyed by all the teachers that have come since that time. They still haven't conveyed it. There's still a teaching that hasn't been conveyed. What is it? What is it? Well, that's what we get to carry on this thread. The conversation continues, right? This will be perennially relevant because regardless of what is said and what is taught and what do we experience, it is always not mine, not Buddha, not things, not words, not you, not me, and not, not mine, not, 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 not. The third space, yeah.
0: Thank you for listening. For more about Andrew Palmer and his teachings, please visit bowandroar.com and look for him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.